All right, so we're starting a new series today called Blank Happens, and I know what you might have thought what was going to be in the blank, but um, peace. We're talking about peace today, and every week we're going to talk about something else that just happens in life, and really you have to kind of work toward peace. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, if you want to kind of make your way there. I'll get there in just a couple of minutes. I want to thank Josiah for preaching for me last week. Yeah? Um. He's young, you know, he's learning stuff, so he's learning how to be a youth pastor. He's kind of, you know, been an intern, and now he's learning that, and he's learning how to lead groups, and learning how to preach, and in a couple of months, he's going to get married, and he's going to learn how to ask his wife to look for stuff that he could look for himself, and so um, we do that so they'll feel useful. Uh, so uh, he's learning lots of things, which is great. Um, we are going next Sunday, a team of us, seven of us, are going to Salt Lake City to help a church that's launching. We are uh, sponsoring four church plants. We do that every year, and one of the church plants is a church called King's Cross Church in Salt Lake City. It's actually a northern suburb of Salt Lake City. There's kind of Salt Lake City, and above that's Bountiful, and the next county or community is a place called Farmington. And so we'll pray for them in just a little bit. But we're going to get on an airplane, and I, I, if you've ever flown before, sometimes, I don't know if it happens as much as it used to, but back in the day, they used to, the guy who was the pilot would come on and he would say, you know, I'm First Officer Smiley, and you know, I've got 900 years of experience, and you know, they would talk about all that, and I've never heard a flight where the guy got on and said, hey, it's my first flight, you know, uh, uh, there's a whole bunch of knobs up here, I hope I can remember what they do. Um, because the very next line is sit back and relax. And if a guy said, uh, it's my first flight, I don't know that I would be sitting back or relaxing. Because honestly, there's sort of this innate question that we all have, and that is, is there somebody competent in charge? There's this old story about Lufthansa Airlines. That's the, the airline from Germany, I think, or, or uh, Russia. I can't remember now. Anyway, they were flying over the Atlantic Ocean, and the pilot said, we are uh, having engine difficulties, and we're going to have to ditch in the ocean. And so what we'd like for you to do is if you can swim, get on the left side of the plane, and if you can't swim, get on the right side of the plane, and we're going to prepare for a crash landing in the ocean. And they land, and it's you know, hard and everything, and then the uh, officer comes back on, and he says, okay, those of you who are on the left side who can swim, uh, the exit doors will be opening shortly, and if you would, just jump out and swim as far away from the plane as you can. And those of you on the right side of the plane, it's been nice serving you. Uh, so there, there's this idea that we want to know somebody in charge is competent. That, that's our, our kids' teachers, our doctor. Um, my mother is, uh, and I went to see her last week, that's where I was, and she's 89 years old, and she's doing great, but she's going to have hand surgery tomorrow, and um, so they went to the doctor this week. I wasn't there, but my sister went in with her and videoed the conference with the doctor and my mom, and and he was, he was so patient, and he would say, okay, well, we're going to have to do this, and this is why, and, and this tendon, well, it, it's, it's not in the right place, and we're going to have to move it back over. And, and she would ask questions, and he would say, well, no, this, now this is why we're doing it, and well, are there other options? Well, yeah, but they're not as good. And he was just really patient. And when somebody is going to do something like put me under or uh, they're going to operate on my hand, I'd like to know that they know what they're doing. There is an innate 
question that we all have, is the person in charge competent? And so life can get out of control for us. Things can happen. Uh, we know that things do happen. And so the question, really, the, maybe the, the biggest question in your life is, who am I going to trust when life doesn't go the way, or even if it does go the way I want it to? Where am I going to lean into for, my, for, for guidance in my life? Because I want to lean in to someone who's competent. Now, the Jewish people have a word for peace. It's called shalom. And we say shalom, and it means peace, but it means more than peace. In fact, shalom means the definition is wholeness, completeness, harmony, prosperity, serenity. When you say shalom to someone, you are wishing upon them not just not just surfacey peace, you're wishing upon them whole peace. And so, uh, in the vein of all good um, uh, of our Jewish friends, today we're going to wish each other shalom. So, if you would, turn to the person next to you and just wish them shalom. Go ahead, do it right now. Shalom. You already feel better, I know. There, there is something about being wished peace upon. And so we're going to talk about this idea that God wants peace to reign in your life. Not just to be... Here's the problem. Sometimes if the circumstance is right, then I have peace. So if I get a raise or if I get a bonus or uh, if I hit a home run or if my team wins, then the circumstance is dictating that I have peace. The circumstance is in control. But I don't want to live a life where the circumstance is in control. Because here is what I know about circumstances. Bad stuff sometimes happens. We all experience it. We all know it. And I want to know that somebody is in charge. There's this, in our culture, maybe it's in every culture, there's this idea that I can be in control. I'm in control. That I can make things happen. And when you're young, man, when you're young, you think you're in control, you're bulletproof, no problems, nothing can get in your way, you can overcome any obstacle. And then you get older, and you face more obstacles, and you get older, and you can't do what you used to do. And all of a sudden, this self-confidence, this, it's, it's rebellion, honestly. It's this rebellion, I don't really need God. You see it all the time. It's in our culture everywhere. One of, the, uh, one of the most recent manifestations, and it's not the only one, I don't mean to pick on anybody, but this is something that's kind of all of a sudden, there are people saying, I don't want to be the gender I was born. A as if that wasn't molecular. I mean, we have chromosomes. We, we are who we are. We, if you're a female, you have a Y, you have XX, and if you're a male, you have an XY, and you can't change that. But we want to think we can change even stuff like that. It's rebellion. And we all have experienced it. When I was a kid, my dad told me what to do, and you want to know what? Daddy wasn't going to tell me what to do because we want to be in control. But the problem is we're really not in control. And eventually something will happen. There'll be, I don't know, um, uh, you, you'll have uh, a, a vessel will burst in your body. 
Uh, there'll be a spot that ends up being malignant. Uh, you'll get uh, news of a relationship that you thought was solid, and now all of a sudden it's not solid. Stuff happens. And it's not just big stuff. Sometimes it's things like uh, inflation goes up, my hours go down, and I find myself in a financial struggle. Stuff like this happens all the time. It's not just big crises. It's, it's all crises. And we want to know somebody's in charge that knows what they're doing. All right, so uh, Miriam and I bought a house a couple of years ago. It's a fixer-upper house. It's kind of a hobby house. And so there were lots of projects, and there's still lots of projects. And every time I get something done, I think I need to do something else. And so when we first moved in there, it was about October, November, and everybody came to our house, which was not done uh, for Christmas. We had a lot of people at Christmas. And um, uh, uh, ladies, you're going to appreciate this maybe more than the men, but my wife is in the kitchen, and she's cooking, and she's doing all that stuff, and the sink won't drain. I mean, big deal. But uh, evidently, that's a big deal. And so... It wouldn't drain. I'm trying to figure out what to do. And so I call this company, and they come up, and they, they looked, and they said, Oh, yeah, well, uh, we're going to need to uh, use the Q47 space modulator to go through the pipes and ream them all out, and, and it's going to cost you $700,000. It's like some huge amount of money. And I'm like, Oh, my word. And so then I talked to my buddy Scott, and I said, Scott, tell, do you know of a, a good plumber guy? And he goes, yeah, there's a guy named Bill or Bob or something, uh, you know, Bob's Plumbing. Uh, you know, I went with a big company, and he said, no, no, call, call Bob, whatever it was. I called Bob. Bob shows up, and he's old as dirt, like 60. Uh, he's old as, old as dirt. <laughs> All right, now, I don't know if you know about plumbing. Uh, some of you look like you don't know much about anything. But plumbing <laughs> is in the ground or under your house. It's low. So Bob the plumber, I told him the problem. Bob the plumber puts a ladder on my house and gets on the roof. And I'm on the phone with Scott, and I'm saying, what kind of joker did you send to my house? Bob the plumber is on the roof. I said, Bob, what are you doing up there? He goes, I'm going to blow on his pipe. And it's like, okay. And if blah, blah happens, then we'll know what the problem is. like, okay. So you have ventilation that goes from your plumbing down low up through the ceiling. And so he was up on the roof, and he blew on a pipe, and he figured it out. And he took a little rooter thing, and he ran it down. And he fixed it. I mean, he charged me like $125. And the other guy was like $700,000. And it was like, Bob the plumber knew what to do. The other guy had a suspicion, and he was wrong. Uh, and it was going to cost me a lot of money. Well, I want to be around people like Bob the plumber, right? Uh, and... and I don't want to liken God to Bob the plumber, but he's kind of like that because he knows the source of the problem. So we're going to look at a verse, and it's one of these verses you've heard probably 9,000 times, but we're going, to, we're going to really look into it today. And we know that in all, in, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So we're going to take some time, and we're going to dissect this verse. 
Did any of you all ever in high school, you had a class, science class or something, and you got to dissect a frog or something? You may ever do that? Remember the smell? What was the smell? Yeah, formaldehyde. So I've asked Chris to put some uh, in the ventilation system so we can feel it. We can feel it. Not really. That would be creepy. Okay, so we're going to dissect this verse, and we're going to begin, we're going to begin kind of at the second little part, and I'll come back to the beginning at the end, interestingly enough. So the first thing I want us to look at is it says, in all things, in all things. Now, the Greek word is a little, it's one word, actually, that we translate into all, in all things, but it literally means all things happen to all people. There's this notion out there by some that, say, that says, if I become a follower of Christ, then all the bad circumstances will go away. Uh, my dog will never, you know, get sick and throw up on the floor. I, you know, I, I'll never have car problems. Uh, I'll never, you know, experience any sort of loss. When I, if I become a follower of Christ, the notion is, then, then all bad circumstances simply go away. And yet, Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. So, in life, there's good stuff and bad stuff, right? Good stuff and bad stuff. So, let's do a little quiz. Um, if you get a promotion, is that good stuff or bad stuff? Good stuff. If you um, get a debilitating illness, good stuff or bad stuff? Bad. You go on a blind date? Hmm... Toss-up, yeah, that's right. You go on a game show and you win a vacation. Good stuff, bad stuff? Good stuff. You go on a game show and you win a vacation and you find out when you get on that vacation, it's a cruise ship with a bunch of mimes. Okay. Bad stuff. Good stuff or bad stuff? Okay, so this whole idea, there's good stuff and bad stuff that happens in life and... It happens to everybody. All things happen to all people. So I'm a follower of Jesus, and good stuff happens to me. It really does. I mean, I've got healthy children, and my mom, who's 89, is still you know, up and kicking and doing good things. And, and I mean, I've got the whole enchilada. Uh, so lots of good stuff, right? Good stuff. But also, sometimes, bad stuff happens. I mean, my cars break down, and stuff happens like that, and uh, there, I have things with a house sometimes, and, and, and so I, I get good stuff, but I also get bad stuff. And people who don't love Jesus, well, they get good stuff, and they get bad stuff. All stuff happens to all people. The, the danger when we say to people, well, if you come, become a follower of Jesus, you're never going to experience anything negative. The problem with that is it crushes people's spirits. We, we're never promised that nothing bad is going to happen. We talked about Paul a couple of weeks ago, and Paul had this, he called it a thorn in the flesh. Nobody exactly knows what it is, but he prayed, he said, I prayed for that to be taken away three times. Paul, by the way, is a guy who wrote much of the New Testament. He started a bunch of churches. He is a, he is a mega follower of Jesus. If anybody was going to get their prayer answered, it would be that guy. And Paul says, I prayed three times for this to be taken away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Sometimes God weakens us to make us strong. It's really, really important concept to understand. Now, so what's the benefit of being a follower of Christ? I mean, if good stuff happens to bad people and bad stuff happens to good people, then what is the benefit? Well, there's much to benefit. In fact, Paul also said, hey, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn and help each other. See, church should be like a family. And we help each other. We pray for each other. And we serve one another. And sometimes when I'm up, you can rejoice with me. And when I'm down, you can help me. Here's what I've learned about my own life. I have this tendency to let anything and everything just sort of cause me to go up and down, right? Uh, A little criticism, and I get uh, kind of frustrated. And a a little praise, and I get all excited. And and a little rejection, and I get depressed. And, And a little success, and I get excited, And I'm kind of up and down. I'm like a little boat on a big ocean, and my emotions control me if I'm not careful. And it can be that way with all of us. We have to watch because all things happen to all people. And this idea of mourn with those who mourn and and, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, some people are really good at that. They're called empaths. They have this tendency, this natural ability to empathize. But it's a commandment for all of us. And when we see that our brother or sister is struggling or if they're rejoicing, then you come alongside them and you help them. We can't help everybody, but we can help somebody. Can't walk with everybody, but we can walk with somebody. And so this this whole idea is that we we get to be a part of this bigger picture. We get to help one another. But if I let the the whims of my emotions, then my struggle isn't to become holy. My struggle is just to survive. My, My struggle becomes survival, not to thrive. And God has called us to a world where we can live together, and in good times and in bad times, we can know, we can still know he's in charge because of the second thing. The God who made all things watches over all things. Now this is really important. In all things, God works. It doesn't say in all things it works out. We want to think it's going to work out. I guess eventually, long term, it works out. But we live in a broken, fallen world. The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. And right now, we live in a fallen world. And we need plumbers and mechanics and landscapers and dentists and plastic surgeons because of it. When you buy a car and you drive it off the parking lot, it depreciates immediately. When you buy a warranty for an appliance, it's usually you know, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. You know what the average for appliances to, to break is? 37 months. There's a reason for that. There's a reason that people who get on online dating site puts pictures from 12 years ago. There's a reason for that. It's because they look better 12 years ago. Because we live in a world with death 
and decay. It's just how it works. Now, in all things God works. That's what it says. In all things God is working. Because God knows what he's doing. He's he's amazing in this way. A few months ago, we did a series on the Apostles' Creed. We're not creedal as Baptists, but the Apostles' Creed is great. And it begins with, um, I should read it because I can't remember. Uh, um, I believe in God the Father, almighty maker of heaven and earth. I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. And there's this This notion that God, as the maker of heaven and earth, is bigger than any of my circumstances. And the Old Testament has these brilliant pictures of God. Look at this one. Lift up your eyes and look at the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each one of them by name. Every star has a name. You can buy a registry, evidently. I've I've heard those commercials online. Uh, But God already named all the stars. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Uh, uh, Scientists tell us in a galaxy there are up to 100 trillion stars. And of the uh, observable uh, space, there are 200 billion galaxies. 200 billion galaxies, each with as many as 100 trillion stars. God knows all of that. All right, quick confession. How many of you have ever misplaced the remote control? Anybody? Okay. How many of you have ever misplaced your keys? How many of you have ever been on the phone talking to somebody about you can't find your phone? Okay. (laughs) I had a guy after the first service say, I was trying to find my glasses and then I looked in the mirror. It's like... (laughs) Yeah, what adult. Uh, anyway, uh, we, we all do. All right, so here's God. He's keeping up with, what did I say, 200 billion galaxies with 100, 100 trillion stars per galaxy. And he has never said, what did I do with Alpha Centauri? Uh, I don't know where that is. He, he is able. I mean, it is remarkable. I have four kids, and I can barely remember their names. And yet God has named trillions and hundreds of trillions of stars. And he never gets confused. And he never gets thrown off base. There's more language around this, but that, that's one. There's this, this one I like too. Who else has held the oceans in his hands? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Who else has done these things? I'm not an ocean guy. I don't like the beach very much. I like the mountains better than the beach. I know some of y'all are beachy and good for you. Uh, For me, I like get out there and I'm like, I don't know what's under here. I can't see my feet. That's kind of creepy. And then something will hit you. It's like, "Ah." Uh, I don't like any of that. And you got seaweed. Gets in your toes. It's creepy and weird. And if you're a beach person, you're odd. Uh, and I just don't like it. Except a couple years ago, we went to Galveston. My daughters like the beach, and so we went to the beach because when you're a dad, you don't get to do what you want to do. Uh, you go to the beach because your kids want to go to the beach. 
Lord Galveston, my daughter Amaris, brings this little ball, and it bounces on the water. It was so much fun. And so we'd be skipping that thing, and it bounces up, and we'd catch it. So much fun. And all of a sudden, we see something like this. All right, so in my mind, if you're old enough, I hear the movie Jaws music. Bump, 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 bump. And, and I'm like, oh. Now, quick calculation for me is, who's closest to the fin? And if I'm closest to the fin, how do I become not closest to the fin? And I, I'm, I am freaking out. This is like, oh. I'm going to lose, like, my toe. You know, he's going he's gonna to kill me. And then we fig figure out it's a dolphin because there's a six-year-old over there who goes, hey, it's a dolphin. Uh, so that's all it took. <laughs> Some six-year-old. <laughs> hey, it's, it's, it's Flipper. And so now all of a sudden, this moment of panic becomes this moment of joy. And, and God, he knows... All of this stuff. You know, there are, there, they find animals in the depths of the ocean that nobody has ever seen before. They're discovering new stuff all the time. Well, God didn't create that for us. He created that for himself. I mean, have you ever thought about that? There are stars that are so far away that if we got into a spaceship today, we would never even get close. There are planets, there are galaxies, under the depths of the ocean, there are things there that we have never even thought could exist. This is a God you can put faith in. He is the creator of all things. I believe in God the Father creator of heaven and earth. And let me ask you a question. When you go to bed at night and you're not working, do you believe God is working? Because that's really the question. I mean, when you wake up, has everything fallen apart? Well, it hadn't. And the word works, when it says in, in all things God works. The word works is a Greek word, synergy. Y'all know, it's, it's like synergy. We get the word synergy. The definition of synergy is uh, all things working together for a common goal or a common purpose or a common function. You want, you want to know where you want synergy? You want synergy on your, on your team? You want your team, whoever is a good passer, you want them to be able to pass. And whoever's a good catcher, you want them to be able to catch. And whoever's a good shooter, you want to be able to shoot. Whoever's a good hitter, you want, to be, you want them to do what they do. And you want all the team to work in synergy. So in baseball, when it's not synergy, it's called, they, they make an error. Uh, in basketball, it's a turnover. In football, I don't know what it is. But anyway, uh, every, we want synergy. We want everybody to be doing their part. In a car, you want synergy. You don't want you know, uh, something to not work. If you have a six-cylinder car, you want all cylinders to work. They've got to all be working at the right time. They've got to all be synchronized. We want it to be in sync. When, when you have a marriage, you want to be in sync with your spouse. This is hugely important. When you have a meal, there needs to be synergy. If, uh, if you have breakfast, you have eggs, what else do you have to have? Bacon. I mean, you, uh, anything else is... Fool's gold. I mean, you gotta have, gotta have it all. There's gotta be synergy in the whole thing. 
So really, the verse could say, in all things, God synergizes. He makes it come together. It almost has this idea of uh, a pharmacist. Back in the day where pharmacists actually made medicine or created things, they would have, they would have elements, you know, in little jars. And this alone doesn't help you, and this alone doesn't help you, and this alone doesn't help you. But if you put it together in the right formula, if you mix it properly, if you grind it together, if you put it in a pill form, if you give it to the patient, if you've done it properly, if you synergize the elements, then it works for your good. That's, that's why... Our Father is called the Great Physician because He knows how to synergize things, how to make good come out of evil. God works for the good, it says. Now, God works for the good in us, not always to us. In all things, God works for the good. It's not always to us. Sometimes it's really misunderstood. The idea is, some people have is, okay, well, if... I don't get that promotion, then God has a better promotion. If I don't get that car, then God has a better car. If I don't get that girl, God has a better girl. When I was in high school, I dated Miss Kentucky Teen. That's right. <laughs> now, I know some of you are very snarky, and you're saying... What was, you know, her talent, uh, spitting tobacco? You know, because I know who you are. You all are snarky. I do think her secret weapon was her winning smile. <laughs> she had all her teeth. Uh, so that really helped. It really was helpful. Now, obviously that didn't work out. Does that mean I got a more beautiful girl? Well, in this case, yes. But it doesn't always work out that way. I mean... God works for the good in us, not always to us. I'm a parent. I have four daughters. I could probably call their names if I had to. I've got four. I love them. As a dad, I want to give them, and always did, want to, I wanted to give them and want to give them everything I can, everything they want. But I didn't always give them everything they wanted. Because sometimes you have to say no. I don't say no because it made, brought me joy. But there are circumstances, and then there's character. And sometimes we had to say no to things because it would build their character. And sometimes when they uh, were disobedient, and I had preacher's kids, so they were mostly good. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, preacher's kids. Mostly good. But occasionally when they did bad, we had to discipline. We don't like discipline. I, I never one time went into discipline thinking, oh, this is a good time. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Woo. I cannot wait to ground whoever. Can't wait. Can't wait to have that conversation. I just can't wait. I can't wait to tell them No. I hated to tell them no. I hated to discipline. But we discipline not because we like it, but we, because we want their character to be a certain way. We were creating in these young women a character that would last beyond us. And God is creating in us not just circumstances to make us happy, 
but a character to carry us through eternity. It is really a big deal. And he does it because he loves us. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Paul was a Jewish rabbi. He was a man of God. Uh, as a Jewish rabbi, he, was, he grew up uh, saying the Shema. The Shema is this, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And good Jewish boys and good Jewish girls would say this in the morning and in the evening and every day they would repeat it over and over because this was how they viewed God, which was vastly different than everybody else around them. Nobody ever said, I love Molech or I love Baal, because those were gods that you obeyed, you didn't love. And yet, here are the Jews, and the Jews are saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God. Love him, because he is lovable. So the question is, okay, God is caring for those who love him. That's what it just said. Let's go back to it just for a second. All things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Well, what happens to those who don't love him? It's a great question. Jesus said this, I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children just like your Father in heaven. Because you know what he does? He causes the sun, his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. God works for the good of all people because he has a plan, which is the next part of the verse. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. What is the purpose? Well, I'm glad you asked. Next verse. For God knew in, uh, his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, a character like his son. Not just good circumstances. Anybody can thrive when it's all good. What happens to us when the circumstances aren't as positive? When things don't go exactly our way? See, God doesn't always cause the circumstances to be good for us. He does cause them to be good to us. God promises to give us the good. To create in us a character that lasts through eternity. All right, let's wrap it up. We know because we experience. We can know these things. That's the verse. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who've been called according to his purpose. We can know this because of experience. Now, gravity says, I can read a book about gravity, and gravity will say, you know, when you drop something, it falls. But you want to know when you really uh, know about gravity is when you fall. Whenever I fall... It's not often because I can hardly get up. Uh, whenever I fall down, that's when I really experience gravity. I can know about it. I can theorize about it. Hey, I heard about gravity. But I know gravity when I experience gravity. What about the word love? Listen to this. Webster's defines love as a strong feeling or affection and concern toward another person. That'll win your heart, won't it, ladies? I mean, really, woo. Hey, baby, I have a strong feeling of affection for you, woo. Those are words. But you fall in love? Oh. Falling in love changes everything. 
Now it's not just a theory. It's not words on a page. It is something that's real. And Jesus said, okay, well, the way you know the will of God, the way you experience it is by obeying it. Jesus put it this way. Anyone who chooses, we have a choice. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. If you do it, then you will know it. It goes from being an intuition or information to all of a sudden it becomes my experience. And I can read in Scripture, and Scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. I can think about that. Well, okay. But you want to know when I really know it is when I give and I receive a blessing. God lays it out for us. He talks about your sexuality. Hey, your sexuality is reserved husband and wife. Uh, confines of marriage, that, that's the best way. I, I can know it. I can, I can read it but I really know it when I experience it, when I, when I do it. Sometimes the challenge is I need to do what I'm called to do. I need to do what God says. I need to just do it. If you're old enough, I'm going to show you a commercial. You probably have seen it before. I don't know what age this breaks off at. But this commercial, was, it ran for 12 years. Can you imagine a commercial running for 12 years? You'll know it as soon as you see it. That commercial came from this verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> Not really. Peace happens when we do what God has called us to do. Good circumstance, it's easy. Difficult circumstance, it's difficult. But peace happens... When we are obedient and we experience the truth of God's Word. It's when it really changes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the challenge to, to taste and see that you're good. Help us to be obedient to you and all that you ask us to do. And then help us to experience your peace. We pray it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.